Good morning, good morning, good morning, good morning, good morning, good morning, good morning. How many people are excited that there's heat on in the building today? Hallelujah. Thank God for heat. HVACs that work, electric bills that are paid. Thank you, Jesus. And I love it. I'm so glad you're here. Can you guys just stand with me? We're going to pray in just a second. It's so good to have you this morning. Thank you for braving the cold and being willing to walk into doors with other people right now in the midst of everything that's going on in the world. There's something special about being in the house of God. You know, I love that we have a, an online community and we want to welcome everybody who's online this morning. Thank you for coming and joining us. We really do. We know that there's, you know, there's a thousand reasons that you're home today and many people are struggling uh, with this pandemic still in so many varieties of ways. But you didn't walk into a building today. You, you walked into a presence. And when I walked in the doors this morning, the, the team was already worshiping. And I, I just said, oh, there's something going on. And it's not, it's not that there's something here. It's there's someone here, and his name's Jesus. The Bible says when we begin to praise God, it, it's not just voices that unite. It, it's, it's not just melodies and harmonies that come together. It's actually the presence of God that's stirred. That the living, almighty God, the creator who... Spoke and breathed you into existence. He comes and joins in this place. And all over the world, God is doing that. All over the world, in places big and small, as people gather together and lift up their voices in homes and, and in the hospital rooms and in this room, the living God comes and moves. That's why when we talk about worship, it's not simply about lifting up hands or clapping or moving. Because it's a charismatic way to worship. It's because we realize he's here. We realize we're not alone. We realize we may have been lonely all week. We may not have been together with friends or family for a long time. But you are in the presence of a king. And you didn't have to do one thing. You didn't have to do one thing good enough to deserve it. He wanted to come and be with you this morning. So my friends, as we begin to worship today, can I really encourage you? Don't worry about the person to your right or your left, the person in front of you or behind you. You stand in an audience of one. And he's worthy of our praise. Because he loved me when I was unlovable. He died for me and he came for me when I couldn't reach him. When I rejected him, he stayed faithful to me. Our God is worthy of praise, not for what he's done, simply for who he is. Daddy, come this morning. Holy Spirit, we've come to give you praise and glory. We've come to lift you up, to call you holy, 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 to say yes, God. To lift up our hearts and our voices and our lives to you to offer our lives as sacrifices of worship to you, Lord God, because you're worthy. 
You are the great I am. You, you are Jehovah Rapha, the one who is healing himself. You are Jehovah Nisi, the banner that stands over us. When the enemy tries to lie about us, you already have a claim over us. And that name is son. That name is daughter. That name is forgiven. That name is free. That name is holy. That name is accepted. God, we love you. We've come to praise you, to give you the glory now and forever. Come and be glorified by our praise in Jesus' name. Come on, church. Together we say amen and amen and amen. Can we just push in and lean in just a little bit this morning to the heartbeat of our King? Is anybody grateful to be here? Is, is anybody grateful to have made it back? Some people went to church last week, didn't make it back this week for whatever the reason. But we are all blessed to be here. I'm grateful to be able to lay eyes on everybody in the room. I'm grateful you made it back. I know you brought some stuff in here with you this week. And so did we. But the great thing about getting to come to church is that we all get to lay it at the foot of the throne because the king of kings is already here. His throne can be wherever you are, and that means that you can lay, lay down whatever you're carrying on his throne. Like you can literally, he wants you to bring it to him and just drop it. You can toss it, throw it, you can slide in like home base if you need, as long as you leave it there. And, and just, even if just for the moment, let it lift off of you, let him take it. Don't play tug of war with him. Let him take it. Get free. Be light. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is what? There is freedom. That means you can jump. You can throw your hands up. You can scream. You can, yeah, you can run across the church if you need to. If that's what you feel, you are free to do that here. We are free to do that here. If you can't do it in the mall, don't worry about it. Come to church and do it. Because you'll get arrested at church. I ain't got no bail money. But... You are free to do that here. You're free to do it at your house. You're free to do it at your job. If you just got to, you're free. You're free. You're free here. You're free here. And it don't cost nothing. It don't cost nothing. It's just going to cost you your burdens. That's it. That's all it costs you is your burdens. Who wants that? Give it up. Give it up because the king is here. The king is here. Our king is here. He's here. He's here. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. We worship you. Lord, we invite you into this atmosphere to have your way. We are grateful to be here with you. Thank you for being so nice to us. Thank you for caring about us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you for everything, every breath we take. Thank you, Lord. Every time we blink our eyes, we thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for running water. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for heat. Thank you for food. Thank you for clothes. God, thank you for clean water. Thank you, Jesus, for a choice of what to drive, a choice of what to wear, a choice of where to live, a choice, God. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Bless your name, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord.
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Y'all going to worship with us this morning? Get excited. Come on, come on. We invite you. Participate with us. Worship with us. Have fun. You're, you're welcome. You're welcome.
come and see about me when you turn things around when I call you come and touch me when I call you come and fix me when I call you pick me up when I call you when I call Hallelujah Hallelujah Praise Him for being King of Kings and Lord of Lords Hallelujah Jesus 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 Call His name Jesus 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 Hallelujah Bless your name, Jesus, 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 Jesus. He don't get tired of hearing you call his name. So you can call it as many times as you want to. Call it as many times as you need to. Jesus, he loves to hear you call his name. Because nobody sounds like you when you call it. I don't sound like you and you can't sound like me. Call it, Jesus, Jesus. When you don't know what else to say, call his name. Hallelujah, hallelujah. When I call your name, when I call your name, when I call your name, hallelujah, hallelujah. Call his name. When I call your name, when I call your name, when I call Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Bless your name, Jesus. 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 Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Bless your name. Hallelujah. 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 Woo! When I call your name, Jesus. 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 Father, we thank you that the cross has the final word. The cross is the final word over my sin, over my sickness, Lord God, over brokenness, over my past, over sin, over hell, over death. Your cross has the final word. That when you breathed your last, you said, it is finished. You weren't simply talking about your agony on the cross. You were talking about the power of sin and death and hell for all eternity over everyone who comes for you. Freedom. There's power. There's power. My friends, there used to be a song that I sang when I was younger. There's power, power, wonder-working power in the precious blood of the Lamb. There's power, power, wonder-working power in the precious blood of the Lamb. I don't know what you're going through today whether you're in this room or you're at home or you're in a hospital room or you're on vacation, whether you're in the car listening, but I know this, there is power, power, wonder-working power in the precious blood of Jesus Christ. So Father, over everything, over depression, over suicidal thoughts, Father, if someone came in today thinking today was going to be their last day. Maybe they're looking for just a reason to live. Daddy, let them know of your love. There are those here who are sick and 
bound by generational curses. We break them in the name of Jesus. Those hidden lies, those hidden sins, Lord God, we shatter them by the precious blood of the Lamb of God. No addiction, no depression, no sickness can stand by the name of Jesus. And it's not by might, it's definitely not by our power, but it's by your spirit, says the Lord. So today, Lord God, we're going to thank you. We're going to take a moment to praise you for the miracle, the miracle of salvation, the miracle of your grace. If you are sick, the miracle of your healing, because it's on its way, the miracle of your breakthrough, that's on its way. Faith says it is so, even when it's not yet so, so that it will be so. My God is a God who is a deliverer. My God is a God who breaks chains. My God is a God who redeems those who are far off. My God is a God who liberates the oppressed. My God is a God of justice and love and mercy. My God is a God of healing and breakthrough and miracles. He didn't stop doing it 2,000 years ago when he resurrected Jesus from the dead. Jesus became the first fruit of the harvest that we get to live in his resurrected power as a promise so father we thank you we thank you we thank you in advance we give you the glory for the miracles for the signs and wonders that are on our way in jesus name and everybody said amen and amen come on can we praise him if you need a miracle today if you are thanking him for your breakthrough father thank you if you were there in that home and you are feeling sick get up off the couch Start praising Him today. Get up out of the bed. Start giving Him glory today. Just say, God, you're able. My God is able. We do not serve a philosophy, a religion, an ideology. We serve a living Savior who died and rose again and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. Listen, this isn't about hype. It's hope. But hope is exciting. I don't know about you, but I could use some hope. And not hope that's based in me. Woo! Or based in how good church is. Or based in how good worship was, because that was jamming amazing. I don't have hope in any of this. I've got hope in one thing. His name's Jesus. That's it. That's it. But that's enough. But that's enough. Amen? Amen. Hey, we're so glad that you're here. And if this is your first time at Connect, welcome. We're so glad you made it out today. We just want, we hope that you uh, consider making this your home. For us, church is not about a Sunday event. It's about learning to live life well together as a family. This is family. So before you're being seated, even in the midst of all this, I know we want to keep distance a little bit. Give somebody around you a high, air high five. Maybe if you're quarantine with them, give them a fist bump, just say hi to some. just say, we can still be friendly with masks on. Mm. Man, what Shayla said, I hope uh, resonated in you. When she said, when you call on his name, it sounds different than when I call on his name. Every voice he created differently. With a, every, every tone is different. 
Every pitch is different. Every pronunciation of things, like I say donkey, and my wife says the word is not donkey, it's donkey. Whatever, I don't know what it is. I'm from Jersey, I say water. Back off me. But your voice, what, think about, just meditate on that for a little bit. My voice, God has inclined his ear to hear. Woo! Uh. You know, those sort of things are why discipleship is so important. You know, at this church, uh, we love coming together on Sundays, and Sundays are about celebration. We celebrate together. We get inspired together. God gives us a corporate vision to walk things out together because we are a family together. There is a corporate vision that God has for us, how to, how to change lives, how to change community and world. But discipleship is what we do on, throughout the week in, in Shoulder to Shoulder, which is our, our ladies' groups, and uh, Forge, which is our men's groups. And they're, they're all virtual right now. Uh, and they can happen at any time during the week. But, guys, it's stuff like that. Sometimes, sometimes I need that. What Shayla just said, I need that. Because somebody sees something different than I do. And I've got blind spots, and you've got blind spots, and we need iron sharpening iron. We, we need each other. So can I really encourage you to take that next step? And in just a, a couple of weeks, we're also going to start, restart chat room, which is kind of our deeper delve into the Bible, which is uh, it's live on Wednesday night, but you can watch it anytime on our YouTube channel. It's just actually equipping ourselves to think differently and live differently than we were raised. Think differently. I don't know about you, but I need to think differently and live differently than I was raised. I need to think differently and live differently than I feel. I need to think differently and live differently than the world tells me. Because the world isn't a help. Anybody? That's why we need this thing. So since you brought your bar, are you guys ready for the word? Because I want to hop in today. Pastor Danielle sends her love. For some of you who weren't here maybe last week, uh, she and I uh, aren't... uh, uh, for the next couple of weeks, we're not going to be in the, in the, in the house together uh, so that we can make sure that the house has one of us all the time. Um, just we're trying to navigate this thing the same way everybody else is trying to navigate this thing, and it's a little crazy right now. Uh, so we're doing our best, just like you guys are. So thank you. By the way, thank you for doing your best. Thank you for wearing a mask. Thank you for uh, showing up when it'd be easy to stay home. Really, truly, in this world, it's crazy. Uh, and it matters. So since you brought your Bible, since you brought your Bible, uh, one way or the other, it's on your phone probably, uh, open with me to the book of Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. Romans is the sixth book of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans. It's written by Paul the Apostle. Um, And obviously one of the most uh, amazing thinkers. As a matter of fact, Romans is, if you want to understand the, the deep theology of God's love and grace towards you, read this book. It's incredible. And if you need a, a, a title for today's message is, I can't give one more thing up. I, anybody feel me today? I can't give one more stinking thing up. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna hop into this verse, and then I'm going to unpack it a little bit for us uh, today, which is a little different. But let, let's read this together. It says, uh, in verse 1, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, so it's for all of us, in view of God's, uh, in view of the aforestated or aforementioned mercies of God. Let me stop there for a moment. What's he talking about? 
All the things that he already talked about in Romans, like God created the world to reveal himself to you and I, that God made salvation a free gift. You and I don't have to earn it. God bought it by the, uh, redeemed it by the blood of his only son, that Jesus came as the second Adam to free us from the curse of the first Adam, that Jesus actually brought us in to all the promises. He grafted us in to the promises of the fathers of faith so that all the promises he promised before Jesus are still for you and I today. Even though they were thousands of years ago written, they are real for you and I today. The aforementioned reality that in Jesus we are set free, that death, hell, and sin has no power. He says all those small things. In light of all these small things, in light of that, reality and truth, present yourselves as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God. This is your proper act of worship. Do not conform to this present age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, and then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Present yourselves as living sacrifices. Sacrifice. Sacrifice is definitely not a word that any of us want to hear in 2022. We don't want to hear that word any longer in our minds, especially after the last two years that we've had. And let's be honest, in our culture today, we have what I believe is called sacrificial exhaustion in our minds. Added on top of compounded grief and cumulative weariness that we've been talking about. There's something inside of us right now that is saying, I don't want to have to give up one more thing. Come on, let's be honest. Throughout this pandemic, we've had to give up a lot, haven't we? Many of us are feeling it right now after two years giving things up. I just said, Danielle and I can't be in church together. It's crazy. Many of us have had to give up holidays and birthdays and Christmases and anniversaries with families and friends as the years tick by. Our 20-something-year-olds that are here, you've given up a couple years of your very best young lives. We've had to sacrifice convenience and jobs and vacations. Some of us have been, are weary from sacrificing our spouse, come on, to the office or to chasing after their dreams. Young people in this room, students, are, 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 are weary of having to sacrifice time with friends and sports and school. There's a general weariness inside of our lives right now that is saying, I'm not going to sacrifice one more thing. So when God says, present your lives as living sacrifices, there's something inside of us that says, I'm not going to give up one more thing. But that's the thing. The pandemic has made us think of sacrifice as giving something up. And so has decades of religion. Decades of religion has made us think that sacrifice, especially when it comes to godly sacrifice, is about giving something up. But it's not about giving something up. It's about giving something to. Giving something to someone. Giving something 
to someone. See, there's a difference. One, I'm losing something. The other is that I'm joining with someone. When I give myself to someone, I'm joining with them. December 18th, 1993, I gave my life to Danielle as my wife. It was our wedding day. And when I gave her, gave myself to her, I didn't say, man, I can't believe how much I'm giving up. Can't believe I'm giving up so much to be with her. I thought about what I was gaining by being with her. I thought about the life that we could have together by joining together, by giving myself to her. It's why I always have hated the terms like ball and chain. Or on the, 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 the bachelor night, right, where people are like, this is your last night of freedom. Are you crazy? I wasn't free before. I was lonely and frustrated. I was insecure. I was looking for a girlfriend. I was looking for a girlfriend. I was like, what I was giving up wasn't worth keeping. But what I got was beyond imagination. See, when you give yourself to someone you love, no amount of effort is too much. When you give yourself to someone you love, no amount of effort is too much. It reminds me of the story in Genesis 29 of Rachel and Jacob. Some of you may be familiar with the story where Jacob offers to work seven years for his wife. And, and, and I love this because the Bible tells us in, uh, in verse 20 that Jacob worked seven years for Rachel. And it seemed like it was nothing. It seemed like it was just not, no time at all. Why? Because he loved her. Love motivates you to see sacrifice different. Love motivates you and I to see sacrifice different. But how many of us know the, the end of that story? He worked seven years to get Rachel on the marriage day. His father-in-law, bait and switch, gives him Leah, the older sister, instead. And he could have been all disillusioned and upset that he had worked seven years and it didn't work out. I can't believe it. He said, I don't care, man. I love this woman so much, I'll work another seven years. He worked 14 years because he loved Rachel. And it seemed like it was nothing. Love changes the way we see sacrifice. And I love the, the, the picture of the story. As a side note, it's a picture of Jesus. How Jesus brought together the older sister, the older bride, and the younger bride. How he brings together the Jew and the Gentile, the male and the female, just out of joy. He wasn't doing it. He wasn't giving something up. He was bringing himself to join with his bride. He saw it. He was motivated out of love. And it caused Jesus to see sacrifice differently for the joy set before him. He did whatever it took to go to the cross. Love helps us to see sacrifice so much differently. I think one of the things, however, that jumped out at me, kind of spoke to me when I was thinking about this in light of what Paul's telling us, is there's a verse in verse, uh, in verse 29 and 30 of that story that says, Jacob loved Rachel more than he loved Leah. 
And it made me kind of stop for a moment and in light of offering ourselves as living sacrifices, made me kind of ask the question, when I look at my, the totality of my life, what do I see that I have to, walk, to, to offer God? What do I see that I can offer God? And maybe the deeper question, and this is the question that I would love for you and I to ask ourselves in 2022, is God our Leah or our Rachel? Is he our obligation or our passion? See, because how we truly answer this question inside of our hearts determines what we will give him, obedience or worship. How you answer that question in truthfulness. Not what we would like it to be, but actually who he is. Is he our Leah or is he our Rachel? Because as people of faith, you will give God something. Like, if you're a person of faith in this room, and if you're not, if you, if you haven't come to know Jesus as Lord, man, I'm just so glad you're here. And the truth is, all those things I already said about gift of salvation is free, it is. God is wooing you and loving you, and it's part of the reason you're here today, because the Spirit of God has been wooing you home for years. And in just a little bit, we're going to give you an opportunity to connect with that love. But if you are a person of faith this morning, you will give God something. If he is our Leah, we will do our due diligence and give him the bare minimum to make sure we keep this marriage together. We'll do our due diligence. But there's no spark. There's no magic in it. There's no passion in it. We're just going to stay in this marriage until we die. And the issue is, which is so incredible about who God is, is that even when we do that, even when we treat God like Leah, God still blesses us. That's how good he is. Do you realize Jacob didn't love Leah, but God still gave her kids? God still blesses us even when we just do diligence, even when we just kind of respond out of obligation. My God is so good, he blesses us anyway. But here's the trap to that, that we think the blessings mean that God's okay with how we're loving him. But this is not worship. It's banking on the grace of God instead of embracing God with love. And the only way that we can actually get to the bottom of this question is by asking a question. Truly in 2022, asking this question. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, how can I make you feel special? How can I let you know that you really are my Rachel and not my Leah? How can I give you holy worship? Change my heart, O oh God. Create in me a clean heart. Fan into flames the coals that once burned bright inside of my heart for you that led me to the cross, that made me bow my knee, that enabled me to call your name when I was so far away from you. Fan into flame those coals once again. And it's okay that they're coals. But we have a chance to ignite it once again into flame by the power of the Holy Spirit. He is the spark that ignites the fire inside of us. 
I'm not trying to ask you to try to love God more. I'm trying to ask you to be willing to take a real look inside of ourselves and ask God to help us to love Him more. Because we can't serve two masters. Jesus says in Matthew 6, 24, we can't serve two masters. You'll love one and despise the other. And that's what I've seen in so many years of church and religion well past 30 years that I've been in ministry. People starting out with such, pat, with such fire, but that fire becomes an obligation. Rachel soon becomes a Leah. And I start to despise Leah. I start to despise what I have to do to make her happy. And my heart grows cold. And when my heart grows cold in this world, there are too many options for me to walk away from the one who makes me feel that way. And the issue is, my friends, in this moment, in this environment, when I'm wrestling with this, this is where the enemy's strategies kick in. Because the battle is for worship. The enemy doesn't need you to get to worship him. He doesn't need you. He's not, he doesn't have to get you to worship him. He just wants to put something in the way of us worshiping God. That's all he wants to do. To help us to come to a place where we treat God as Leah and not Rachel. And I think the reason that we struggle sometimes with worship is because of how we see worth and our worth and what we think God thinks is worth. Because that's actually what worship is. Worship, this Greek word here, this word for worship, both in the Hebrew and the Greek, actually means at its base core, worship. It's giving something of worth to someone. And when we start to think about worshiping God by bringing Him worth, we ask ourselves, what do I possibly have that could make God feel like I have something of worth to let Him know that He's my Rachel? And we start with ourselves. And that's a bust. Because let's be honest, we're way too familiar with our brokenness. And then the enemy hops right on in. The enemy hops in by, by showing us comparison with other people and how we're not as good as other people and how we probably shouldn't be acceptable by God by the way that we are anyway. And then he reminds us of our past, come on somebody, and how guilty we should be and how ashamed we should be of what we've done. And then he actually slips in some pitfalls during the day every day that we fall into, which adds to our guilt. And so all along we are wrestling with this issue of worth inside of ourselves. Then the psalmist, do you realize even the Bible piles on? Psalm 8, verse 4, the psalmist says, God, what is man that you should even think about him? God, who are we that you should give any time to us? And so we check off the box, all right, I know it's not me. So we go to our default setting. When God is thinking about sacrificial worship, we go to our default setting. And we think about what does the world say is worth something? Things. Things. Things are worth something. So we begin to make a list of how many things we have to give and how many things we have to give up to make sure that our worship is acceptable to God. And so the church and believers, we start to compile the right list. Do you know what the right list is? The right list. Like, 
what does God really want me to give up or, or give to him so that I'm okay, so that he considers my life acceptable? Because that's really what we're talking about. Well, I know he definitely wants my money, because that's all that we hear. God wants my money. God, God, God wants me to show up. He wants me to serve, I guess. I mean, he, he wants me to be nice. He wants me to be good. He wants me to forgive at least most people, because even he can understand not forgiving certain people. I know he wants me to give up some TV because he wants me to read my Bible more, so I guess I should stop binge-watching, you know, Yellowstone and start getting back into my Bible a little bit. And we start to compile up this list of what to give up. And we start to say, ooh, I don't know. That one hurts. And we fall into the trap if we're not careful of King Saul. King Saul, in 1 in Samuel chapter 18, says to David, David, if you beat Goliath, I will give you my oldest daughter, Mirab, as, uh, as your wife. She's my most precious possession. She is the daughter of inheritance. I'm going to give her to you. So we know the story, right? He goes out and wins. So the Bible says in verse 19 that on the day he's supposed to marry Mirab, again, King Saul pulls a bait and switch. He gives her him a younger daughter, Miha, and says, I guess you're going to have to settle with this. This is good enough. This is good enough. It's going to cost me too much to give you my older daughter. I don't know if it's worth it. I don't know if my return on investment is going to be worth it. So come on. I mean, she's still my daughter. I know she's not the best, but how many of you know that ended in disaster? Or maybe we fall into the trap of what the enemy did with Jesus. Do you remember what he did with Jesus? In Luke chapter 4, Jesus is in the wilderness being tempted by the enemy. And he brings him up in front of all of the, the empires, all the kingdoms of the world. He shows them all the riches, all the valuables, all the things, all the fame. And he says, I'll give it to you if you worship me. And Jesus says, no thanks. I'm just going to worship God. And I can almost hear the snicker of Satan when Jesus says it. What do you have to give to God? You are a nothing carpenter from a backwoods town. You've got no money. You've got no fame. You have nothing of worth. And Jesus says, you're right. I've got nothing but myself. But that's all I need to do is to give him myself. The truth is, my friends, you, you are enough. Just you, just you, just you, just you, just you, just, not more, not less, just you. The way he made you is enough. The way that you are right now is enough. You don't need to clean yourself up, get better, start, stop doing, get this, do that. Just you. That's it. You are enough. Matter of fact, the Bible says that you are already holy. You are already acceptable when you come to Jesus. This same Paul in Ephesians 1 verse 6 says that he brought you and made you acceptable in the beloved. It is a done deal. You are already there. So he isn't looking for you to give something up. He's looking for you to give you to him. Can you imagine with me? What they had to go through in the Old Testament to get to God? They had to take their lamb when they messed up. 
Dude, for some of us, it would be a multi-day occurrence. They had to take their land. They had to walk miles and miles and miles up hills on dirt roads in the Palestinian heat with everybody looking at them with stares, with disgust, because they knew why they were taking that lamb to the temple. Oh, I wonder what they did. I wonder what she did. I wonder what he did. And then when they got to the temple, the priest looking at them like side eye. Because after all, they were the priest. I'm clean. You are dirty. I can't believe you did something like that. Can you imagine the shame, the effort, the sweat? Can you smell the sweat? Can you hear the shrieks of the lambs as they slit the throat? Can you smell the awful smell of the burning flesh of the animal? That's what you had to do to get clean. All along, the priest giving you side eye. But my priest doesn't give me side eye when I show up. My priest is the Lamb of God who poured out his, all, his own blood once and for all for me. He tore apart the veil so that I had free access. Why? So I could boldly go to the throne of grace without shame and without condemnation. I am enough. You are enough. You are holy and acceptable. Do you realize the first thing that those travelers saw when they entered through the gate? was blood. There was an altar with constant blood on it. So the first thing they saw before they got to God was blood. They knew their path to God was through a path of blood. But it wasn't just that what they saw, it's how God saw them. When they walked through that gate, the first thing they saw was blood, and the first thing he saw was blood. He didn't see them, their brokenness, how messed up they were, all the sin that they had done. He saw the blood of the Lamb. Why are we afraid to give ourselves to a God who sees you better than you see yourself? And this is the issue. When we think of sacrifice, we think of giving things up. And when we think of giving things up, we think that that's sacrifice. But here's the problem. When you give things up to God, and when you give things up for God or give things up for religion, or give things up to be better. It's not that there's things we shouldn't be giving up. Somebody say amen. Come on. You know what I'm talking about. But when we see that as sacrifice, can I tell you, that has a very limited reward. It only has an earthly reward. Like, if you give up smoking, it may help you live longer and breathe better. If I give up eating three donuts a day, it's going to help lower my cholesterol, help me lose some pounds. But it's only an earthly reward. There's no heavenly reward to it. There's no spiritual reward. Do you know why? Because it's not part of a spiritual principle. The spiritual principle of sacrifice is giving something to God, not up for God. Luke 6.38 says, give and it shall be given. Give to God and God shall give back, pressed down, shaken together, running over. Jesus is not looking for you and I to give something up. He's looking for you and I to give something to him. That's why Matthew chapter 22, Jesus says, Give unto Caesar what is Caesar's and give to God what is God's. Give to him. Religion has taught us that by giving things up, we'll please God. And it has left so many of us frustrated and empty and disillusioned because it's teaching us to connect to God from the wrong place. Oh, the goodness of God still blesses us. He still gives us the kids. 
just like he did Leah. But it's teaching us to connect to God from the wrong place. It's not about giving something up for him. It's about giving yourself to him. To give ourselves to him. To give our hopes to him. To give our thoughts to him. To give the way that we feel to him. To give our families to him. To give our fortune to him. To give our future to him. To give our dreams to him. To give our hurts to him. To give our hope to him. To bring things and give it to him. This and this alone, my friends, will yield the breakthrough that you're looking for. Only this. Because Romans chapter 11, later on, right before this, in verse 6, he says, Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Faith was never about giving something up. Faith was about giving themselves to him. I was telling Jake the other day, I was looking at some of the Pharisaic laws during Jesus' time. There were 613 Pharisaic laws during Jesus' time that they had to do in order to be clean. The overwhelming majority of them were about things they shouldn't do, couldn't do, and had to give up. 365 of them were about things you shouldn't do or couldn't do. One for every day of the year. A minuscule amount were about giving something to God. Religion. Religion. Religion has taught you to connect to God by giving something up and calling it sacrifice. Rather than giving something to him and realizing it's worship. This is why Jesus turns to those same Pharisees in Matthew 12, verse 7. And he says, man, you missed it. If you would have only understood, I don't want sacrifice. All I'm looking for is mercy. I'm looking for you to join me in what I do. My nature, my character. This is not about what you give up. It's about joining me with you. Being you with me. My friends, this is why we need to renew our minds. Because of Jesus. Because of grace. Because of his fathomless mercy. You are enough. Just you. The problem is, if we're honest with ourselves... The issue, especially in our modern world, is our truth isn't always truth. This is why Paul says we've got to change the way that we think about ourselves, think about God, think about church, think about life, think about, think about sacrifice. In our generation today, we have been convinced that we are living out our truth. And the problem is, Sometimes you're correct. We are living out our truth, but it's not necessarily the truth about you. This is the battleground. It's the same lie that started in the very beginning in Genesis chapter 3 is still living inside of you and I today. Genesis chapter 3 verse 6 says, Eve, when she looked at the forbidden fruit, she saw that it was good for eating. She saw that it was good. Do you know what? That's true. Do you know why it's true? Because God had already said everything he made was good. It was true, but it was not truth for her. 
Because God had already told her in a conversation. God had already spoken to her face to face. God had already told her what he had for her, his will towards her. It was true, but it was not her truth. And it brought her into disaster. You and I, there could be things that are true. Feelings that we have that are true. Things that we experience that are true. But that does not make them the truth about you. And in our world today, we've built a system of believing our truth and the truth are the same truth. That's why we always believe God is asking us to lose something, to give up something, rather than to join someone. Do you realize that professionals tell us that the way that we think and see our lives are shaped is shaped by our most traumatic event in life, whether real or perceived. Some of them are damaging and some of them aren't, but it's shaped by that. And it becomes the lens through which we see life. And because it's the lens through which we see life, as a man thinks, so is he. We respond to life out of that broken place. And that's why we keep saying, why do these same things keep happening to me over and over again. Do you know why? Because the enemy knows how to break you. The enemy knows how to reinforce what is already broken in your life. And because the way that we see ourselves will lead us that way, we reinforce it and he reinforces it. And over and over and over, it begins to create a mentality of victimization or insecurity or pride or ego. It's why Paul says, in Ephesians 6, man, we got to put on the whole armor of God so that we can actually stand against these lies and deceptions in our life. That's why we need the helmet of truth. Because our mind needs to be covered, not with our truth, but with his truth. It needs to reshape and reform the way that we see our lives, the way that we see ourselves, so that when we come to the Lord, we're not coming out of shame. We're not coming out of guilt. We're not coming to barter with God or beg from God. We're walking in as a redeemed child of God, as a son or daughter of the King, with confidence, with holiness, knowing we are already accepted and said, God, how can I join you? Not to show I'm worthy, but because you're worthy and I want to be a part of you. It changes. Do you realize the helmet, of, uh, the helmet of truth had flaps to go over the ears? Come on, some of us need to stop hearing some stuff. It had a chin strap so that your mouth could only open so much. Mm. That's why Psalm 119, 105 says, Your word, Father, is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. It helps me to see who I really am. Because if that's not there, I only see myself in darkness. It helps me to see the path that I should walk, and that path is a life of worship to you. See, my friends, when we give God our mind and our emotions, our choices, our will, He returns more to us than we could ever fathom. I'm teaching this week in Forged about Ephesians 1:17 that says, when you give God, when you come to God, His desire for you is to know Him better. Freaked me out. Because I was taught, and religion tells us, that God wants us to be better. He said, my goal for you is to know me better. 
And I know you can't do it alone, so I'm going to give you a spirit of wisdom. I'm going to help you to understand how to apply my truth in everyday life. I'm going to give you a spirit of revelation. I'm going to show you who I am in the midst of it all. So you get to see me in the midst of your life. Not you trying to get to me. Me already with you. Oh, that changes how I see the world. Therefore, my friends, I'm going to continually ask God to help me to live in such a way as to make him feel my love. Feel like my Rachel, to do whatever I can to bring him worth. Not to prove my worth, not to own my worth, but simply to bring who I am to where he is so that I can join in to whatever he is doing. That is worship. Bringing all that I am to a place to be with all that he is to be a part of all that he's doing. That's worship. It's not giving something up. It's giving my life into someone. And this is where discipleship it is. It's the realization that sacrifice, that sacrificial worship isn't about giving things up, but giving ourselves into someone. Micah 6.8. What does the Lord require of me? To act justly love mercy, and to walk humbly with him. To act like him, love like him, and walk like him. To act like him, to love like him, and to walk with him. Notice not one thing did he say. You know what the Lord requires of you? To give up this and give up that. He simply says, come the way you are. The good, the bad, and the ugly, I'll take it all. And I'll change it into something more than you can even imagine. And when you do, I'll help you to figure out this life. When you just come to me, I'll help you figure it out. Figure out his will. Figure out his world. Figure out your future. I think just as we close today, the incredible thing about that story about Jacob loving Rachel is that Jacob's love for Rachel eventually produced Joseph, the savior of the tribes of Israel, the provider during a famine, the voice to kings, the one who brought food to the hungry and provisions to the poor, the one who overcame a dysfunctional family, who overcame a prison sentence, who overcame betrayal by friends and family alike, who overcame a global epidemic and was used by God himself to overcome everything that the world had thrown at him and eventually led people into total freedom. Oh, our world, what our world needs right now is a Jacob that will love a Rachel. Oh, what could happen if church today would turn and love God like Rachel and what could be produced from that would be a Joseph in the midst of a global epidemic, in the midst of a global failure, in the midst of fear and hopelessness to rise up somebody who would be a voice to kings, to rise up somebody that would bring hope to the hopeless and food to the hungry and provision to the oppressed. 
regardless of our dysfunctional backgrounds, regardless of our prison pasts, regardless of all those who've left us and betrayed us, what could happen if we simply would present our lives, ourselves, all of us, to God as living sacrifices? What could happen? How could he make himself shine through us to a world that's desperately in need of hope? The world doesn't need to hear. They need to give something up. The world needs to hear that there is someone who will take them just the way that they are. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I have got your back. That's the Kyle version. I spent too many years frustrated, too many years empty, too many years disillusioned because I gave up this and I gave up that, and it made me think that God owed me something for all the sacrifices I've made for him. Oh, he blessed me. He gave me the kids. And it deceived me into believing that that was okay, that that was worship. But worship isn't how good God is to us. Worship is how good we can be back to God. How can I give him who I am? The good, the bad, and the ugly, God, I'm all in. God, I'm all in. If I got to wear a mask to come to church, God, I'm all in. And if I got to forgive that person that hurt me the most, I'm all in. God, and if I have to start loving people like you love me, I'm all in. And God, if you help, will help me to act justly and love mercy huh? and walk with you humbly, God, I'm all in. And God, if you'll fan the flame inside of me, I'm all in. Because I don't want you to be Leah. I want you to know you're my Rachel. I want you to know that I love you more than anything. And the best thing that I can give you is not something I can give up for you, but it is my life given to you. Wholeheartedly, unreserved, totally surrendered. That's the invitation today. 2022, what could it look like if we said to God, I'm all in. Every day I'm just going to bring myself to you. I won't get it right all the time, but I'm going to give myself to you. What would change in our hearts and in our minds if I would say, God, I'm going to give myself to you? If I woke up and said, God, I'm going to give myself to you? I don't know but I think it's worth the journey. Come on, can we pray together?
Oh, Jesus. My friend, I don't know whether God is your Rachel or your Leah, but today is the moment to just open up your heart to him and say, here I am, God, I'm all in. Everything I've got, the good, the bad, the ugly, you know it all, but I'm all in. I'm all in. I'm all in, I'm all in. In 2022, God, I'm all in. The truth is, what Paul said is so right. He made salvation free. The blood of the Lamb was already shed. The veil was already torn in two. The way, the door, the gate is already open. All we need to do is be willing to step through it. And say, God, here I am. With open hands and open hearts, with open minds. And I'm going to invite you to do that today. Maybe you've never done that with God before. Maybe you've never received his love. Maybe you really have never actually said, God, here I am, all of me, I'm all in. It's as easy as asking Jesus to forgive you, to be your Lord and your Savior and to come into your life. But maybe you've prayed that prayer before, but to be honest, your love has grown cold. Maybe it started out as a Rachel thing, but now it's much more a Leah thing. Come on, today is the day you ask the Holy Spirit to come and fan into flames the fire, the passion for God once again. What you can't do on your own, my God can do through a miracle. My God is a miracle-working God. My God loves you and wants to be loved by you. So when you say, God, help me to love you, he's saying, I recognize my will in your words. I'm on my way. So if that's you this morning, across this room, we're all going to pray, but you pray this from the bottom of your heart. You call out to Jesus. And you just say, Jesus, here I am. Come into my life. Fill me to overflowing. Today I choose, above all things, to make you the Lord and Savior of my life. I hold nothing back. I'm giving you my whole life. The good the bad and the ugly as a sacrifice of worship. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Fan into flames my heart of love for you. Today I choose you and you alone. I give you the glory. I give you the honor. I give you the praise. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on, can we just give God a shout of glory for loving you enough to say, I'm right here right now. Hey, listen, my friends, if you prayed that prayer, we couldn't be more excited, whether it's your first time, whether it's your 500th time. Every time the Bible says when someone turns around and heads back towards God, the angels in heaven party. That's so cool. You have given God, you have given heaven a reason to rejoice today. We want to help you with that walk. 
Pastor Rick is right over here. Pastor Rick has written a book for both adults and one for Gen Zers that helps to explain what you have done today. And maybe you could say, Kyle, you don't understand, man. I grew up in church. I know this. I've prayed this a hundred times. Good. Can I really, yeah, I don't need that book. Can I really encourage you? Read the book anyway. Because something sparks a flame. The other day, I, I, uh, we have a big fireplace in our, in our house. And uh, I opened the flue and set the logs down there. And you know what was interesting? When I lit the fire, I didn't just light it in one small little place. Because when you light kindling in only one little small little place, it has a potential for going out quickly. But if you light it and light it and light it and light it in various places, before you know it, it's a roaring fire. Today, you may have just been lighting the kindling, but when you read the book, when you get into worship this week, when you get into fours and shoulder to shoulder, spark after spark after spark starts to ignite something inside of you. And before you know it, like Shayla said, you'll be up and running around this place. Giving God glory. Not because it's religious. Because you can't contain the joy you've got. Man, our world doesn't need another good church service. Our church needs Christians that are so on fire for Jesus, they can't contain themselves no matter where they are. They got to tell somebody. Got to tell somebody. I got to tell somebody what Jesus did. Well, I'm ready to run around the church. Thank you for letting me sow into you today. Let's break the change of religion. Let's shatter the lies of the enemy. My truth is not truth unless it's his truth about me. And my life may not line up to it yet. But the more I surrender to him and give my life to him, the more that he shapes me and molds me like the master clay worker he is. We used to say this all the time at church, and I believe it right now. I want to say this to you because in 2022, I think we forgot it. The best is yet to come. Oh, I ain't talking about a pol- I'm not talking about in politics. I'm not talking about the American dream. I'm not even talking about our economy. I don't know what's going to happen. But I know with Jesus, the best is yet to come. I know he brings me from glory to glory to glory. He transforms me and shapes me and changes me. I look back to where I was when I was 18 and now I'm 54. And I don't recognize the 18-year-old. And it wasn't because I got better. It's because the master craftsman shaped me and molded me. And when I got off the kill, when I got off the wheel, he put me back down and plopped me back down. Said, "You better sit down, boy." When some of those pieces got hard, and he kicked the defects out, and he took some of the Holy Spirit water, come on, and he smoothed out the clay. Oh, it ain't me getting better. It's him getting better in me oh what 2022 could be well I'm done come on Lisa Pastor Lisa's going to come and encourage us in our giving today we're not giving up something when you give your money you're giving to somebody come on
I done preached the message. You're good. Let's go. I was going to say, are you trying to do offering messages for me? Okay, I'll go and sit down. Right back down again. Good morning, everyone. Um, My name is Lisa. I am the kids and family pastor with my husband, Kevin. But I am going to take a couple of minutes uh, just to help lead us in this time of worship to give of our tithes and offerings to God. Amen. But you know one thing that can seem a little funny about tithes and offering, if we're honest? I was thinking about this recently. You know, he kind of think, does God need our money? Why are we giving money to God if he owns everything, right? Can you imagine if Oprah came up to you and was like, um, can I get $20, please? I mean, what would your response be? I think you're pretty sure you'd be like, um, Oprah, I definitely need this $20 more than you do, right? I think probably everyone in the room could agree. So why? Because of James chapter 2, faith without works is dead. It's one thing, right, to say, God, I trust you. I'll sing the song. I believe in you. You'll provide for me. But, oh, my goodness, I can talk from personal experience. I can say that, but then when I have to actually go give my money, oh, I trust you, God. I want to be in faith. I know you've called me to faith, but then I need to give That's why God calls us to do that, not because God is poor and needs our money, but because he wants to bless us, and he wants to bless others through us. So he says, release your faith. Take that step. It's not faith without a step. Otherwise, it's dead. So let's take that step this morning, church. Let's take that step of faith and give unto the Lord so he can bless us and bless others through us. You can give in three ways this morning. It should be up on your screens right there. You can give in the good old practical way where we write it on paper, right? The best way. There are envelopes all around you, and you can give it into the beautiful kiosks at the door, or you can go online. If you have no clue what Linktree is and CCB, don't worry, you're not alone. Just go to our website, find those links, and it will lead you right there. So let's pray this morning, church, over our tithes and offerings. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for today. Thank you. We thank you that you are a faithful God. If there was ever anyone that we could put our faith in, it is you. Lord, we can't always put our faith in people. We can't always put our faith in the banks, in government, or people around us, but we can always put our faith in you. But Lord, you've called us to always take steps of faith for it not just to be belief, but to live it out, to take those steps. And you always prove yourself faithful. Like your word says, Lord, you are always faithful. And Lord, thank you that your word says, Lord, as we give, you pour out such a blessing upon us that we can't even contain it. So Lord, we give unto you today. We give of our tithes and offerings, even if We feel our emotions are like, I'm scared, God. I don't know what's going to happen. We thank you, Lord, that we put our emotions aside and we trust in you alone. So we love you, Lord. We worship you together as a family this morning. And we give you all the praise and glory. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thanks, Lee. It's fantastic. Hey, can I tell you, Kevin and Lisa are doing such a phenomenal job. Like, if you have kids, you know it. They are amazing. And uh, they also are, are, uh, have taken on uh, uh, putting together uh, our next steps for youth and teenagers. Uh, so we are excited about that, and we're going to let you know a little bit more about that in the next week. Um, and we 
we've got all sorts of cool stuff happening. Can I encourage you? This week, whatever it takes, just rise up in the morning and say, God, I give myself to you. Let's see how he reveals himself to you. I wonder what it would be like. I wonder if you kept a journal this week. How he would show himself to you. If you would just say, God, here I am. I give myself to you. My God is not a concealer of himself. He's a revealer of his love to us. Can you guys stand with me? Let me pray over you. Again, we've got shoulder to shoulder coming up this week. You can go to the website, go to the link tree. We are working really hard. Hopefully uh, in the next few weeks we'll have uh, a QR code that you'll just be able to scan and be able to go right to that stuff because I know for some of us who are not tech savvy, uh, that will be easier. Shoulder to shoulder starts this, uh, is this week, forges this week. You don't have to have started in it. Just jump in. Jump in. No matter where you are. May the Lord God Almighty... May the King of glory, may the one who sits on the eternal throne, surrounded by angels who say, holy, 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 in an environment of majesty, may our God let his face shine upon you. May his Holy Spirit fill you to overflowing this week with gifts and revelation of who he is. May his love and joy and peace flow out of you and through you into the world around you. May the blood that covers you remind you that you are forgiven, set free, and redeemed, and that there is no condemnation in Jesus. And may you boldly go before the throne of our King, who beckons all to come, one and all, come home, come home, come home. May that King Give you glo- May that king bless you, give you health, protect you, and be your refuge. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you, church. I love you. I can't wait to see you next week. Go and tell somebody about Jesus.